everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and uh, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety. Thank you all so much for joining me today. This is a question and answer based podcast where you, the listener, get to send me, the therapist, questions about uh, anxiety and recovery and all that stuff. Um, and um, I will likely put it up on a future episode. Now, please remember, everybody, if you would like to skip the line, jump ahead, um, you can send me an audio question. So go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the submit a question link. You can type in your, your text question there. I will get it. I will read it. And I will likely put it up on a future episode. But if you want to skip the line of everybody else, um, send me an audio. So you can send me the you know shared Google Drive of your recording that you uploaded to Google Drive. You can send me, there are a lot of apps where you can directly email, go to, you you can email it to questions at um, fearcastpodcast.com or simply enough, you can just go over to Instagram. I am fearcastpodcast over there and you can uh, send me an audio question. Just send me a DM uh, with your question in it, what fake name you would like, what your real name is as well. And um, I will uh, I will put that up at the next recording. So um, today is not going to be a question, even though I spent a little bit of time already talking about that today. It is more in response to my previous episode. So my previous episode, I was talking, I, I, had, I got a question a little bit about dating with OCD, and apparently I did not answer that question sufficiently. So I wrangled in uh, one of my uh, dear friends in OCD land, Lauren Rosen, to talk about dating as it comes, uh, or uh, dating with OCD, how to do it, what are the pitfalls with it. Um, I, I perhaps initially had said, and I realized this in the middle of the uh, of the talk that we had. Um, we initially had set out to make it sound very easy, and then we quickly made it sound very complicated, and then we quickly made it sound very easy again. Um, your results may vary, but um, this uh, ho- hopefully this podcast raises questions, answers others, um, and gives you some confidence that even you can date um, and have OCD at the same time. We talk a lot of you know uh, other things, not just the pragmatics of dating, um, but uh, you know some other things to consider um, in, in the dating process with uh, with mental health issues. So hopefully it was it was helpful. Um, I, um, I I know that Lauren. I forget if I had asked her this question, but I know that she'd be happy to be uh, to to jump back onto the podcast. If you had specific questions about this podcast. You would like Miss Rosen to discuss it. I'm sure she. I, I can wrangle her back in and find some time to record, and uh, both of us would be happy to yammer on about this. So why don't I just uh, introduce her, give you a little bit of information about her, and then jump into it. So Lauren Rosen is a psychotherapist and is the director of the Center of the Obsessive Mind and specializes in treating OCD and anxiety disorders and eating disorder and supports people using mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, exposure and response prevention, and acceptance and commitment therapy. In addition to her work as a therapist, Lauren co-hosts the Purely OCD podcast and does social media advocacy. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Lauren Rosen. All right, Lauren Rosen, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. It's good, good to see you. How are you? I am well. How are you? I, I too am well. Um, we made it sound like we just popped on. We've been chatting for about an hour and 15 minutes before this and realized we should probably just press the record button. Otherwise, we're going to lose our time in our bonkers schedule. So, but either way, Lauren, it's, it's awesome to see you. You are one of my favorite people in OCD land. And um, Same. It's, it's a delight to have you on to chat about stuff. 
Well, it's a real honor to be on. I am such a fan of of your podcast and obviously of you generally. And same. I like that. You're one of my favorite people in OCD land. I mean, I suppose I should say you're one of my favorite people, but I mean, would that be too, does that get into that chummy <laughs> element? Too chummy. Yeah, I, I guess we should probably let people in on a little secret that, so not it's not that much of a secret, but in, in uh, graduate school, uh, one of my dearest friends nicknamed me Leslie Nope, uh, because I'm uh, quite like Leslie Nope and my earnestness. and From the show uh, Parks and Rec my, for anybody who has not seen this. Good point. Um and my, I don't know, my ethical uh, interest. <laughs> how, how do I put that? Uh, yes, my proclivities, my, my pension for my pension for being anxious about doing things correctly. Let's put it that way. And that so when I met Kevin, he, uh, anyone who like listens regularly probably knows that he's kind of in some ways the embodiment of Ron Swanson, who is also from Parks and Recreations. And he's twirling his mustache now to really emphasize the point you can't see. Uh, Anyway, long of the short is that uh, I mentioned this to him and and there's a meme where he says, uh, what is it? It's like Ron Swanson says, don't get too chummy. He says, uh, yeah, he says if, yeah, I think he says something like, if any, oh, yeah. if any of my employees get a little too chummy with me, I call them by the wrong name. Yeah. yeah. And then he, they show him calling Leslie, like, uh, Amy or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> so, so now, repeatedly. Kevin just calls me whatever he feels like in any given moment for funsies. It's super funsies. Super funsies. Yeah. Um, it's probably, it doesn't matter. Let's go with it's it's a it's a it's a, a good thing. All right. Anyways, we could yammer on about that. Everybody, thank you so much for um, for listening to this and the podcast in general. So, we were sitting here trying to figure out what is it that we were going to talk about, and, and one of the things that uh, was brought to my attention in pre in a previous episode was that perhaps we did not talk or I did not address what dating what dating and having OCD is like, and how one can date. And have OCD at the same time, and I, I I posed this to Lauren, and she said, "Yeah, let's let's talk about this and what it what it looks like." So, um, I, the it, it all spawns from I think it's the previous episode. So whatever this one is, the last one, mm-hmm. um, it's it was you know how how does someone with with sexual orientation OCD go out on dates because there's going to be a lot of doubts about about their sexuality, a lot of checking. Well, Lauren, why don't you tell me, what, what, sort of, what sort of rumination, what sort of obsession might somebody have? Or what, where would be the problem with dating and having OCD? Mm. Yeah, so initially, especially with sexual orientation OCD, you might find someone going back and forth about what, like, what person, right, and what gender potentially they should be asking out on a date. Right. And the, I think the thing is, and we were kind of saying this before we started recording, everything in this process is an exposure for someone mm-hmm. with sexual orientation OCD in the very same way that dating and the whole process is going to be an exposure for somebody with relationship OCD. Um, so you're like, oh, well, who should I ask out on a date? And your brain goes, well, you probably should make sure that you're asking out the, a person of the right gender, because if not, you're being immoral, you're lying to people, you're living a lie, you are going to hurt people, or, you know, 
et cetera. I, I, what else? I'm sure I've missed things. What else might your brain say, Kevin? If you're, I mean, I think you've, I, I think you've hit on all the, the the significant ones, and it's and it can lead to it can lead to a lot of avoidance. I mean, I've certainly talked with folks where they say they don't want to date until they figure it out. They don't want to date until they're certain yeah. that they are, or they've you know they've beaten OCD, or that they've beaten they've they fully understand and know and and internalized. They are attracted to X gender, therefore, now they can date. Yes, yes, and so this tendency to want to resolve things before taking action is universal to all subtypes of OCD. Um, oh well, I, if I could just figure this out, then then I could move forward with my life. This is no different. And we don't want people to stop living their lives while they wait to figure something out because, one, there is no certainty, period. Two, there is certainly, certainly no certainty. How about that? Hmm. There is definitely, you know, not certainty when it comes to something as nebulous as sexual orientation and the fact that the Kinsey scale, the idea that we're all on this spectrum of sexuality and sexual attraction is is prolific for a reason mm-hmm. you know it's like because that's that's kind of how humans work we're not black and white we're all not all or none so if you're waiting to figure out with certainty what your sexual orientation is you're going to be waiting a really long time right. and in that time you're going to miss out on your life so we don't want to do that right 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 Right. As a, as, as a rule of thumb, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, you know, what, what I find interesting, I kind of talk, it's like I, I talk about this with, with um, a religious group, kind of to take a sidestep. It's, mm-hmm. you know, for some people with religious group, they're so worried that they aren't, you know, enough of their faith or doing it right, or they don't feel that they care because they don't have all the right feelings, whatever the right feelings are supposed to be. It's like, I just don't mm-hmm. feel like I care about, you know, God enough. And I'll reflect back to them, gosh, you know, for someone who does, who say they don't care about God, they care about the answer to this so much. So it's like, th- yeah. that's all they're thinking about. There, there can be this element of, uh, I've said it before, trusting your compulsive conclusion. It's kind of the, the thing mm-hmm. that you've been fighting for. What is that, what is the answer that you've been fighting for through your mm-hmm. compulsion, right? Someone mm-hmm. would, and this isn't not necessarily as a way of saying that this is the right answer and you should, um, and it's, um, in other words, compulsive in that way, but it's mm. the thing that you've been hoping is true. So yeah. trust that that is maybe true and act as if it is. So, yep. but that obsessive doubt will jump in and just say, no, whatever you think is true, whatever you think is right about you, what you want, no, that may not be true because what if you just don't know? Right. Right. So with that, so with that, so the advice then might be within dating. Well, if if let's say it's a you know, if you are attracted to women and you're wanting to date women, great. If that if that's what you've been fighting for through your compulsive cycles the whole time, well, act as if it's true. We'll see. And then when that doubt comes in, all right, maybe I am wrong, but I'm going to yes. act as if this is true. How, how, yes. how can it be more complicated than that? I don't think that it is. I think that your brain can can do a lot, say a lot of things that make it seem more complicated mm-hmm. than that. But really, in, in many respects, and again, not to go too broad, but 
navigating OCD comes down to making a commitment to something. I am committing that I'm going to live as though I'm not a serial killer, even though I'm having these murderous harm thoughts and I'm worried that I might not actually, or I might actually want to harm people. Um, I'm going to commit to marrying this person, even though I'm not sure of my sexual orientation and, or my, you know, my, whether or not this is the right relationship if somebody has ROCD. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's about, it's about making a choice and going forward with the choice. And then whenever the doubts pop in going like, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not sure I got other stuff to do. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. Right. But not wait and see. Like not sitting there and waiting. Do you know what I mean? Like living your life. Sorry, go ahead. Right, right, right. And, you know, there, you know, other issues that can come up within dating is actually just asked on a, on the, the, the therapist Facebook group is, you know, well, when, Mm -hmm. when does one, when does the person with OCD tell their partner that they have OCD? When's the right time? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? That's such a good question. Yeah. Yeah, and sort of, I guess that's a larger question, independent of subtype, like sexual orientation versus whatever you might have. I'm of the mind, I don't think that there's a right time. Mm -hmm. And I also want to put out there, I don't think that you necessarily ever need to talk about the content with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I, I think ultimately vulnerability is earned, Mm-hmm. Trust is earned, something that, not that DBT is a totally different realm and my knowledge of it is so limited, but sort of that idea of, as a social skill, matching levels of vulnerability and disclosure ongoing, like that's a that's a good rule of thumb. It's it's a process of, of opening up and sort of unfolding in relationship and not just in romantic relationships, but in any. And so listening to yourself, uh, you know, and, and making choices based on what seems to make sense, giving, given the context and, and, you know, given the degree of actual safety, interpersonal safety based on what this person has shown you in your relationship to them. Right. Yeah. Is this, has this person earned the right to know this vulnerable and personal information? And we test that out. Bingo. Right. Yeah. Right, and we might be wrong. <laughs> we, we might be wrong. Yeah, they. This could be their the, the one hot button issue. They're totally responsible or responsive and caring and warm and compassionate, except for this. Possible, but let's also not conflate possible with probable, right? So, but right. with this, <clears throat> excuse me, with this, it's uh, you know we we do this on dating anyways. We do this in any friendship. We meet this person, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't say my social security number is this and here's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. Here's my biggest trauma. How are you? What's your name? We we don't do that, right? We start with very surfacey things. Hey, here, you know, I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm a therapist. Tell me about you, right? We, um, as they, as one comedian said, you know, during a first date, we don't meet the real person. We meet their representative. Mm. We meet their, mm. their 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 PR person. It's putting their best foot forward, right? Whatever the case may be, we hope they're putting their best foot forward. If on, eh, mm. right, those are dumb dumb jokes. The point is, it's 
over time, we see how they react to, you know, if I'm, if I'm meeting someone and I say, hey, Kevin, I'm a therapist, or I'm Kevin, I'm a therapist, and they go, you know, therapy's bunk, right? This probably isn't a person that has, it, that deserves or earns further and more intimate information about me. They're right. probably not going to handle it very well. But if they respond yep. well and kindly and understanding, we get more and more, uh, we, we allow them to get to know us more and more. And the same comes with this. I love what you said, Lauren. They don't need to know the details. They don't. Mm. Yeah. It's if, if you feel that they are worthy of that information as a way, as a way of building intimacy, building mm-hmm. trust, go for it. But yeah. as a rule of thumb, I think we don't need to tell them until the compulsions start to affect them or unless it's a, tr- a earned step of vulnerability. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I also will say, in addition to that, I think sometimes telling people can be compulsive. And this kind of rounds back to sexual orientation relationship OCD in yeah. particular. It's like, well, I have to inform this person of this as a compulsion, because if only they knew that I have these thoughts that I might secretly be attracted to whatever gender, and I'm not, I'm not really attracted to them, and I'm going to break their heart, or... If only they knew that I'm having these doubts about our relationship as a, a, a whole, then they wouldn't want to be with me and I'm being dishonest and lying by not being totally forthcoming with them about it. And in that case, we might purposefully not want you to to disclose that the specifics. That doesn't mean you can't say, I'm struggling right now or I have OCD and I need your support. It's... but. I also think, too, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this, but when you've worked in this field for a while, you start to see the wreckage of that kind of confession mm-hmm. on relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot for a relationship to bear, having somebody say all the time, I'm not sure if you're the right person for me. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that's a lot. It's, and I'm not, like, yeah. trying to shame anyone, but Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it. I think I think you're right, right? It's it's it, it's a lot of it, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of pressure to then put on the other person, right? But yeah. yes, in the it, I I think it's a very it's an important point to acknowledge that that aspect of you know you can tell somebody compulsively as a way of confession, as a way of trying to get them to reassure you that the relationship is is right or good. Um, and in, in which case yeah, we, we might pull back on that, might resist doing that, um, which is, yeah. is f- frustrating to even acknowledge be- because we have to say there is no absolute right way to do any of this. It's going to be on a, right. a person-by-person basis, a situation-by-situation basis. We're kind of talking about guidelines in this. And depending on the case, the circumstances around it, we might want to resist telling them. But again, we've talked about this before. The, what is the function of the behavior that you're going to do? What is the function of the thing? Are you telling them to build intimacy, closeness, or are you telling them because it's serving you? Right. And because somehow it's going to prevent you from being a bad person. Gosh, there's so much moral scrupulosity that comes into play with these subtypes. Right. So interesting. Right. Um, but the sense that 
yeah, I'm going to confess it. And then, and then I, I you know, Kelly, cause our friend Kelly, who Frankie, Kelly Frankie is also a wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's on a podcast uh, with someone OC. I know. What's your podcast name? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. She, we're, we're, we have the purely OCD podcast. Uh, so there's that, mm-hmm. but she's what she talks about is almost getting assigned permission slip (laughs) you know that's what that is is know that i have these thoughts if you still consent to having this relationship with me then my hands are clean right then then you know and it's not my fault and if it all ends up going to hell in a handbasket then oh well you know you you signed up for this it it sort of takes away this degree of culpability somehow which of course ocd really loves to latch on to right and, you know, and, and some might say, all right, get that permission slip once, but we know that once permission slip is never going to be enough. Well, what about this new no. thing? I just, gosh, I just had this thought. This one totally over, outdoes anything else I've had before. They need to know about this one, right? Yeah. Because this is different. Oh, if I yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I said I heard this one's, but this one's different. You know, this is the thing. Even in session, like this is the thing I have to tell you. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. This one's really bad. This is the exclusionary information. This is the one that's going to negate the relationship, or they're going to fully decide. This is just beyond what I can take. It might be. Yeah. It might be. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a minefield dating with, with generally anyway, (laughs) I should just say full stop. It's a minefield, but I I think there are a lot it's, and it's very difficult when you have a subtype that, that really gets revved up when you go on a date with somebody or you're in the process of dating. It's hard to, you know, have, thoughts like over and over again while you're on a date that perhaps you're lying to the person that you're on a date with or that you would you're lying to yourself and that you're going to live an unfulfilling life because you've chosen somebody of the incorrect gender to be dating right and you know we've we've talked about this as um uh, as a way that as, as a way to deal with these obsessions is the the um i oh, i'm gonna forget the name of it why do i do this to myself um uh, <laughs> non-committed response. No. Oh, oh, gosh. oh non-engagement response. Non-engagement response. Non-engagement yep. response. Of, <laughs> of acknowledging the potential outcome. Would, gosh, wouldn't it suck if I had a completely unfulfilled life? Like, sure. Yeah. It would suck. It would be bad. But period. We just can acknowledge wouldn't that thought suck. That doesn't mean that this one is. That doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. That's not what you're signing up for. It's not a prediction or a premonition. It's a thought. And that one does suck. Yes. And yet... Sure. That Yeah, that came to pass. It sucks. Sorry. It would. And then we're going to... But we then shift back to dating. We shift back to the conversation, yes. to the interaction. Because we don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to find out. And And you could... And you could get lost in the date trying to figure it out in your head or you could be present to it. It's really hard to figure out whether or not you're enjoying yourself if you're constantly trying to figure out whether or not you're enjoying yourself. Right, right. (laughs) And also dating, gosh, especially those first couple dates, they're usually not fun. They're fun times. Sure. 
But, but you know, at, at what point is it feeling, you know, do, do you know that you're getting all the right feelings? Is, you know, we, we just re-engaging back into that, that conversation. You have moments of difficulty, moments of awkwardness, moments of, you know, they said this thing in this weird way and it's kind of off-putting. And, but then they mm-hmm. said this other thing that was a delight, right? It's yeah. let, letting yourself go back to the highs and lows of that and, and not trying to then categorize in that black and white fashion of this is, this is absolutely good, this is absolutely bad. Generally speaking, the data is going to be both of those things and we, we're making space yeah. for more, more uh, awkwardness <laughs> as, they, as they are. Absolutely. What, what would you say to the person that says, well... It feels like because I don't have this really locked down. I don't have my sexuality really locked down. We're to pick on um, uh, sexual orientation, OCD more. I don't have this locked down. Mm. Going on a date is just using this person as a CBT exercise, and that's unfair to them. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a tricky one. It comes up in yeah in a, a number of different subtypes. That like oh, I'm using this person for for my exposures. I, I think that, first of all, we have to accept the possibility of everything. And I, because I think otherwise you get stuck trying to disprove it. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I am. Maybe, maybe I'm twirling my mustache internally and I've got these you know, horrible intentions of, of hurting this person or using this person. Because oftentimes that's underlying that, that fear. And... I also think that when we're dating, and this is for anyone who's dating, you're not making any promises to anyone. Mm-hmm. You, the whole idea is I'm going to go out with you and we're just going to get to know one another and we'll see where this goes because you can't, like you can't make a promise to somebody you've, well, you could, I suppose, but uh, it's not, it's not well advised to, make some sort of long-term commitment to somebody who you've just met. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think recognizing that maybe you don't know yet and maybe that's okay. In fact, I would say that for anyone who's dating, there has to be an acceptance that you don't know yet how you feel about this person, because to Kevin's point earlier, you don't even know this person yet Mm -hmm. and you probably won't. For a long time. And then even if you get, you know, married to this person, you have this long-term committed relationship to them, you still are always getting to know them better. So mm-hmm. it's not, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You are constantly learning something new about your partner, which is the exciting part of it. Right? Like yeah. there, there are yeah. things, you know, I've been married for uh, t- 12 years, long time. Mm-hmm. And, and, my wife will say something and I go, I hadn't like, I had no idea you hadn't seen this movie before or had yeah. had this experience before. And it's exciting. You learn something new about them. Should they, should I have already known about that? Shouldn't I have already known about that? No, it's, we constantly <laughs> are learning. No. It, it's, it's, <laughs> we, we are constantly learning things about this, this person and we are constantly yeah. growing and having something to share where they get to learn that. And you get to learn stuff about you. As you grow, you, totally. f- you slowly over time start to discover new things about you. Oh, I didn't realize I like mushrooms. People on this podcast perhaps know I do not like mushrooms. They are abominations. But <laughs> perhaps I discovered that one day I do like them. I won't. Maybe. I won't. They're gross. <laughs> but 
Let's say I did. Hey, that's a whole new thing. I, uh, it's a whole new experience that I can have. Great. Yeah. But, but does that mean I didn't yep. fully know myself? Maybe. 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 And that maybe that's okay. I think that's the thing. Like the the problem is this the supposition that you should know before you go out on a date whether or not you are attracted to this person or whether or not you might do you know what I mean? And which is oh, ludicrous yeah. because we're constantly learning things about ourselves. And that's the thing that freaks people with OCD out more often than not is mm-hmm. well what but what if it's what if it's deep down? I love that place. Whatever, deep wherever deep down is, mm-hmm. it's deep down, right? It's like hiding out there and someday it's going to reveal itself. And the thing is, and this is probably super triggering to people, like uh-huh. we are constantly evolving, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what comes next. If we can accept that and just be present to what is and behaviorally trust that we will deal with what comes up as it comes up, then we have freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to move forward with it. Right. With all that discovery is, you know, all right, maybe it's 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 like from the abyss, from the deep. That's where it's coming from, mm-hmm. right? It's going to erupt forth. Mm-hmm. May, maybe. And yeah. sol- sitting there thinking about it isn't going to do it for you. Isn't going to isn't going to uh, conjure it. It's we nope. live our life. Like I can't sit here. Um, it's like you you can't figure out just because you you learn about physics. And engineering, mm. that won't teach you how to ride a bike. You have to put your butt on the seat, right? Right. It means going out yeah. and trying and making mistakes and falling on your head and then continuing to move forward with it. And then you discover that you can ride a bike or that you can't and you just don't like it. Or you can ride a bike and you just don't like it. Point is, is you have to go out right. there and do things. So go out there and date and maybe discover that thing about you. Maybe discover that yes. you, 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 are, you are indeed gay. Or you are indeed straight, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that difference between experiential versus cognitive understanding, it's it, so many people with OCD are, and, and this is, okay, so big picture, most people with OCD are smart, they are good at problem solving, mm-hmm. and the, the issue is that they're applying problem solving techniques to something that is a, not a problem and that can't be solved. And so, I, I think... Oh no, I lost my thought. I hate it when that happens, Kevin. It's it you happens were going more somewhere. and more. You were going somewhere so good. I was I was too. Um but that's this is I just turned 37. This is what happens. And it's all downhill my from there. Slowly deteriorating. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> I I had a conversation with my with my daughter a couple days ago and she said, Dad, how old are you? I'm 39. She's like, and you it's you're gonna be your birthday soon? It's not. But I, and I go, and I'll be 40. This is the first time I actually said that. I'm like, oh, goodness. That oh. sounds so old. Oh. It's not. F- it, turning 40 likely will be like what it was turning 30. It's like 29, except just a little bit. It's just everyone just calls you old. 40 will be like 39, <laughs> except everyone will call me old. So, hmm. and then. People don't, people don't call you old now? <laughs> oh, they kidding. do. <laughs> oh, they do. They do. Oh, so, especially your child. Especially but. my child. But here I am old. So, but I, I think where you're going with this is, you know, uh, people are trying to apply a cognitive process to an emotional experience. They're trying to think their mm-hmm. way out of an emotion. And that's for sure. And yeah. For 
you know, I've said it before, OCD isn't a thought problem, it's a feeling problem. It's the anxiety that we yes. have. If you didn't have that anxiety or that feeling of uncertainty, which, you know, I suppose we can really argue if uncertainty is a feeling or the interpretation put on it or the cognitive part of it, doesn't matter. But yeah. if that wasn't there, you wouldn't care. You'd go, right. your brain would go, but maybe you're gay. You'd go, that's silly. And you'd move on. But because that feeling yeah. lends credibility to the thought, that's what drives you to the compulsive process and gets you into the fantasy land of what could be and might be and will be and won't be and all that. So yep. we can't f think our way out of that box. We have to look absolutely, absolutely, and that's why also just relying on feelings in general is so. When you and I both agree on this, it's just flawed. It's a it's an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think I, I sort of flash back to to the point because the point I think I was I was trying to make is a, it's sort of ancillary is that people come because because this cognitive problem solving works so well. For these people, uh, people with OCD, I, I say that as somebody with OCD, by the way, I'm like, these people, those people, uh, anyway, <laughs> those people, but that come to rely on this skill because you are so facile with it. It's like, it's, it's a great skill, but not everything can be understood or figured out cognitively is what we're talking about here. Sometimes experiences are critical in that process and there's no getting around that. Um, so yeah, that's where you're going to have to go on the dates and you're going to have to see what happens. And maybe this person is not right for you. Maybe this gender is not right for you. You're not going to know that without, giving it the good old college try, so to speak, which I get is terrifying. It's terrifying to people. And it is scary to think, oh, well, maybe I know this and I'm going to hurt somebody. Nobody wants to do that. It's just the, the, the fact risk. that you're saying maybe uh, you have to run the risk. Yes. And, and the fact that you're saying, well, maybe I know is in and of itself a reflection of the uncertainty and the doubt. You don't know. Right. And you can't know. So you either move forward with your life or you don't. Mm -hmm. um, and then you see what happens. Right. I think one thing I wanted to point out too, on like kind of a separate note, because so the idea just generally with dating, there are so many behaviors because there's a lot of uncertainty, especially early on in the dating process. There are so many behaviors that are socially sanctioned uh, just like much of relationship OCD is like, mm -hmm. oh, well, you need to find the one, right? Like there's all of these ideas that the are really you know, in the zeitgeist, the one. Um, and understanding too that, first of all, if you have OCD and you're going into that, you, it might be an area where you're, you're likely to get snagged in terms of mm -hmm. having you know, uncertainty come up. Like, well, do they like me? Do they not? Are they going to call me? Are they going to not? Right. That's a very common experience. Right. And the behavior, whether you have OCD or not, of continually checking your phone to see whether or not they've texted back or reading the text message 50 times and running it by like 70 of your closest friends <laughs> to see what they think before you send it. Like that's, that's not going to be helpful for anyone really but especially not for somebody with OCD who has such a keen sensitivity to doubt and the discomfort that comes with it. it they, they become increasingly reliant upon it. Um, so that's, I think, something to 
bear in mind if you're dating with OCD. Right. Yeah. N- knowing yourself, knowing what triggers you're likely to have, it will help you to not be caught off guard as if that these thoughts mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the way that anxiety and compulsive behavior attack you, it won't be a surprise or treated as if it's more important. It's kind of like the, yeah. I know what this is. I've been here before. I've seen this movie before. I know how, I, mm-hmm. I know how it plays out. Darth Vader is his dad. I, I know it. I see it. I've seen it before. Right? <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's right. That's right. But you didn't know I was talking about Airbud this time. I didn't. Wow. That was a twist. I don't think I've seen Airbud. Um <laughs> Have you seen Airbud 55, though? I don't know. There's, like, many of them now, I think. Is there? Doesn't matter. I think so. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. <laughs> yes, but knowing, understanding, I love what you're saying. Yeah, knowing how this movie plays out. You, oh, I've been here before. I've seen this before. I think I kind of know how this all goes. Do I want to Do I want to continue along this path? And uh, Because... Ultimately, all those behaviors are actually going to prevent you from being present to the experience of dating a person of, I don't know, and and of also living out, let's say that this ends up being the person. If you're so much in the anxiety that you end up like spending a long time with or the rest of your life with, Mm -hmm. spending all of that time trying to figure out whether or not they like you and all of that, that's detracting from what may be the last of, of your single life, which looks quite different for most people. Do you know, mm-hmm. it, it sort of detracts from that time where you might just be like out with your friends and talking about something totally unrelated. That's more interesting than whether or not this person actually likes you. I don't know. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there are a lot of it. I, I feel like we spent a whole bunch of time, talking about how complicated dating is after we started it by saying dating with OCD shouldn't be complicated. Um, (laughs) (coughs) That's funny. I I guess to some degree we kind of did, didn't we? But ultimately it's, I will say if we can revert back though, none of it's complicated. Like navigating the presence of thoughts and feelings is not, it's simple. That doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't Mm. mean it's easy to implement. Noticing like, oh, I'm having a thought that I maybe am, you know, in the wrong relationship. Oh, I'm having this feeling of anxiety Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to accept those things and bring my attention back to the present moment. Simple, right? And incredibly in practice, very difficult. Right, right. And, and to allow yourself to just come back to the moment and not listen to that fire alarm in your head that says danger, danger, danger. Mm-hmm. It feels negligent. It feels, uh, or it feels actively harmful perhaps, but that's mm-hmm. part of that process. Likely speaking, if you're listening to this podcast, you've been down that road before. So you already yeah. know what that's like and you already know how productive it is. It is not. Mm-hmm. So, to overcome it, you take the risk that maybe you are going to discover the thing that you are fearing the most. Maybe you're going to yeah. discover, maybe you are going to hurt this person. Maybe you are going to discover that they are not the right person for you and that later down in life you will have had uh, wasted both of your time. Or you're going to discover that you have wasted both of your time because you are actually interested in, in the complete opposite gender. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll have to see, 
right? So yeah. it's in letting that yeah. go and saying, I'm not going to listen to that alarm and we're going to go see. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to walk around with a fire alarm going off in your own, in your head and, and, and ignoring it because rationally on a values level, you recognize that that alarm doesn't need more of your attention. Right. I think a conversation for a whole other podcast. I'm also looking at the time and um, how much coffee oh, I've had. Right. <laughs> right. I haven't had any coffee, but that, wow, that went really fast. Kevin. <laughs> right. Real fast. Yeah. I mean, I mean a whole other conversation, a, a whole other podcast ought to be something to the effect of, because we're talking about like ignoring that alarm. I mean, does that mean that you can never trust your intuition? Mm. Right. Because most, re- as mm. as one um, smarter person than I has said, every relationship you're ever going to be in is going to fail until one doesn't. Right. The person you're dating, you're probably not going to marry that person. You probably aren't. Statistically speaking, right. you're, not, you're probably not going to. Sure. Relationships do end. We can find things, and there can be enough things that round up to why we don't, why we're going to break up with that person, right? I think mm-hmm. some. I think sometimes this happens in ROCD treatments. We talk about like, oh, you have an ROCD, never break up with this person because you're supposed to be with that person and ignore that voice and ignore all those other little things. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that needs more more conversation. So I'm going to get a bunch of emails about why we didn't discuss it. It's because we don't have time, everybody. <laughs> we don't have time. I, that's a great discussion point, though. And I I will say I have to just like leave a little kernel here because you know because it's interesting. I, I think that whatever you're feeling Mm -hmm. and basing your actions on what you're feeling alone is rarely wise. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that like your feelings sometimes are going to match with the facts and you're going to take action based on that. That makes sense. But if it's just a feeling, but you're looking around and there's really zero evidence Mm -hmm. that there's something wrong. I think when people say, Oh, well, see, I knew though. I knew deep down. That's just a convenient story to make people feel a little bit more secure in a very uncertain world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, there's a reason we have this big giant brain. It's to use, to use it and, you know, to use our, our, to a certain degree, logic and reason to apply to things. And, not just use and not use just one over the other, right? We can't logic right. our way into a relationship and say, "It well, it makes sense." Therefore, I ought to marry this person. I mean, right? You know, you do want some element of of interest, but you know, if we're basing it all on that, it's a combination of the two. So it is more complicated. Totally. And I'm just we're just pissing everybody off and ticking and triggering more people. <laughs> We're good. We're good about that. Well, thanks for having me on. This was a blast. It was a blast. How can people find you or more information about you? Good good question. Uh, I am. So I have an Instagram presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do advocacy work on there. So people can find me on there. I'm at the obsessive mind and conveniently my my website is also called The Obsessive Mind, but you just added .com at the end and no ad at the beginning. Uh, so I have a, yeah, a, a center where we work with people with OCD, anxiety disorders, eating disorders. You can find out more about all that on there. Um, 
And I think that's, oh, and then the podcast, but we already talked about that. So you can check us out on Purely OCD as well, if you care. Check it out. It's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me and um, let's have you on again at some point. That would be great. And thanks for being fantastic, you. Bye. Bye, Joe. All right. Thanks so much for making it through that episode. I always have fun chatting with Lauren. She's a delight to speak to. Incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly empathetic, um, incredibly kind. Um, and um, uh, there, there's a reason that we try to do as many proposals at the IOCDF uh, as we can. So um, hopefully y'all are going to go to the IOCDF this year. Uh, it is going to be in San Francisco. If you, hopefully some of my talks, some of our talks and my talks are going to be uh, accepted. If they do, come by, say hi, give us a high five, fist bump, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, That would be fantastic. So as I mentioned before, if you have follow-up questions about this, if we we did not answer it sufficiently, or if you have other specific questions, go over to Fearcast Podcast and send us a message. Or you can send send me a direct message over at Instagram, uh, send me an audio message, and it will cut the line. Um, Outside of that, everybody, if uh, um, if you need, uh, please remember that the Fearcast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the find help link, and there's going to be some stuff for you there. So, everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. <laughs>